welcome to Quid Pro Quo. I'm Rin. And I'm Zach. And today we are talking about structure and genre. So Zach proposed this episode, so he's going to lead it. Yeah, Zach. the reason why I did this is because I started doing a lot more beta reading for, for folks today. And this was one of the things that I realized, oh, this would be something really helpful to talk about. Because uh, oftentimes when we're in high school, we learn about the plot pyramid, right? And we say, oh, well, I just need to tick off the boxes of like, I need to have the exposition and the rising action and the climax and the falling action and the denouement. Like, I need to have all of those things. But the structure of your story is going to be different depending on what's going on with your genre. What do we mean by, what do we mean by genre, Ren? So, genre is a label used to categorize stories, and it's kind of, like, almost divided in the writing world. Because mm-hmm. on one hand, it's, like, the label we use to market your story and to, like, you know, show where it goes on the shelf in the bookstore. Yep. But on the other hand, it shows what kind of stories you just can't expect when they pick it up from that shelf in the bookstore. Yes. Like, the major book retailer besides Amazon, which is curse. <laughs> so curse. <laughs> um, but it's Barnes & Noble. Yep. And as much as... So, first of all, support your library. Support your small independent bookstores. Um, but if you really must buy a book, please don't do it from Amazon. Unless it's an ebook, I feel better about ebook. Anyway, I have I have a lot of thoughts on this, and I've been thinking about it a lot recently. But anyways, so when you pick you, up a book, when you pick up a book, like you go to Barnes and Noble, and there's like all the shelves, there's like YA fantasy, YA sci-fi. I only ever go in the YA section because that's my like that's the genre I write in. Paranormal okay? romance. Paranormal romance is a big one. So anyways, you have these kind of story buckets where your story can fall into. Yeah. So think about like what a reader put I mean we're all readers, right? We're all readers before we're writers. Um you walk into the bookstore and you're going to the section of the bookstore where you find Lord of the Rings and you're picking up another book. What are you expecting inside of that story, right? If you walk on over to a separate section, it's probably not very far away knowing how bookstores are usually set up, but if you're walking over to where The Handmaid's Tale is, what are you expecting to be nearby that? Like, what kind of stories are you looking for? Part of the promises that you make about your story has to do with the genre and therefore the way that the story will be structured. And the structure refers to how the plot of the story is arranged. It's like the skeleton that everything else is is built around as far as the plot is concerned. So knowing the structure of your genre is a must because if you don't, your book won't make it into the hands of the right readers, right? You're going to be writing a, you know, a sci-fi novel that has the structure of a Hallmark movie and you're going to, you know, with your Venn diagram, right? You're going to miss out on these two really big circles and just find the Mm -hmm. sliver in the middle that those two genres overlap. That's a very good analogy. Um... Because when you write a book, you're not writing for everybody. And if you're, like, pro tip, pro as, I can't be, like, a pro trad author. Experience tip. Not even experience, it's not from my experience. This is from other pros that I've heard talk. Yeah. But, like, if you say, my book is for everyone in the box of query manager, like, Mm -hmm. when you're filling out your query templates for, like, whatever agent you're querying, if you say, my book's for everyone instead of, like, a specific audience. Mm Mm-hmm. You're you're out the window, like so. I like for example, I write for fans of Marissa Meyer and teenage girls who love fairy tales, mm-hmm. like and those 
that's like a very similar overlap, but it's like very specific. They know exactly who I'm marketing to. Right. And writing for. Like writing and marketing are different things. We could have talked about that in the social media episode, but like Say la vie. It's recorded. It's recorded. It's done. I'm not adding in a bit addendum to it. That's too much work. Um but like how do you learn about like all these structures? Some of it is gonna be inherent because I think to tell stories is to be human. Mm-hmm. So we are steeped in story, and I think that's not even a phrase I came up with. I think that might be Lisa Cron or some other mm-hmm. psychologist who looks at this study of story. But like, she wrote a really good book. Lisa Cron, I know. Mm-hmm. She wrote two good books. Oh, I don't think I've read the second so one. Story Genius and Story or Die. I don't think I've read Story or Die. I think I read I have story a copy. Or I can let you borrow it. We should do that, and then we could do a book club. All right, I folks. will say Story Genius is better than Story or Die. Okay. Story or Die is slightly more business-oriented. Mm. So maybe we just do a Story Genius one. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll figure it out. We'll do behind-the-scenes work. But anyways, you figure out this – besides, like, your kind of inherent, like, leanings towards plot and structure, you're going to find out the specifics by reading and watching and generally consuming – stories in the genre that you are writing. Yeah, and this goes back to what Rin was talking about in the last episode, where if you're in a rush, it is often more time efficient to watch a movie or watch, like, episodes of a television series than it is to read a book. Because most movies are going to fall somewhere in, like, the hour and a half to three hour range. I don't... Yeah, hour and a half to three hour range. Whereas a book will usually take you in between, like, five to ten hours, depending on how long it is. Yeah. So... Again, if you're in a hurry and people usually are able to sit longer for a movie than you can for for a book, consider going for that. Short stories will also work, but remember that short story as a form imposes its own strictures on the structure. Strictures on the structure. Strictures on the structure. Say that ten times fast. No. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. Like I like I said like two episodes ago, like watching your watching your movies is maybe not a replacement for books, but it's a good supplement. Yes. Um I think I that's like a really that. good way to say that. Um but often it has the same beats. Like the beats from Save the Cat Writes a novel are pretty much the same as in this original Saves. screenwriting Save the Cat. Yep. yep. Um we have this example of like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars and Harry Potter, they all have very similar structures, tropes and plot elements. Because even though they have, like, different, like, set dressings, mm-hmm. they're all the same genre. And Zach and I will both fight you on this. Star Wars is a space fantasy. It, it is a space fantasy. It's not a sci-fi. If it if it is, it is the softest sci-fi out there. The softest of soft sci-fi. Yeah. So, like a marshmallow. <laughs> marshmallow. <laughs> Perfect. But, yeah, all three of the, like, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Harry Potter are all epic. Like, that is their, it, they're not technically epics because they're not written in verse, but they're, like, epic fantasy stories. Yes. Despite the fact that Star Wars has all of the sci-fi set dressing, right, it's about wizards who have swords that get into fights in space. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and, like, I skipped this bullet point, but, like, as you're, like, reading or watching or listening to the audiobook i've been doing audiobooks a lot lately because my job lets me stand and listen to my headphones for eight hours as i do various biology inspired tests like so i go through like an audiobook a day right now it's kind of wild that sounds um, really fun 
it is kind of fun, but I have been standing for eight hours today and I'm exhausted. Well, now you need a stool. See, but I, it's so hard to do the testing down because you're like moving. You're moving oh, just yeah. enough. Yeah, just enough where just you need enough. to be standing up. Yeah, so it's fine. But like as you're like doing this, like take notes. If you can't take a note at that very moment, make a mental note to write it down later because we think, remember things better when we write things down. And then like lump things into families, and this is where we get the example of like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars all being in the same family of like mm-hmm. epic fantasy stories, even though they all they have different mediums. Like Star Wars is primary. Like I know there are Star Wars books. I've but not it's read primarily them. film. It's primarily film. Lord of the Rings, I would say, is pretty evenly split now. Like it started as a book, but now mm-hmm. a lot of people only know the movies. Yep. Because. Let's be real. The books are long and hard to get through. They are I read very them long. as I was, I read them as a twelve year old, and I just <laughs> I've already talked about how much I don't like Lord of the Rings on the show. Like a bunch of middle aged men on a road trip. But anyways, and Harry Potter is again pretty evenly split between all of the formats. I mean, you even got screenplay in there. Like you're right. You got everything. And like Curse of Child, like is like a Broadway play or something. I don't know. I've never read it. It wasn't good. Well, I won't read it then. Yeah. <laughs> but once you have these like once you have these frameworks, right? Then you can go in and you can emulate those when you're writing like writing your stories. So, if you are trying to write an epic fantasy, regardless of what your your set dressing is, okay? You're going to need your protagonist who is going to be a chosen one. Based off of all the other examples that we've given, they're probably going to be a young man. Well, maybe if you want to just invert that a little bit, move it to the left, have them be a young woman, have them be an old woman. If you want to move it really far to the left, have them be a young non-binary person. Yeah, I mean, you do you. Um, but you kind of you know the steps that need to be taken. Yes. You need to ad- you need to introduce a mentor character, and then at some point later inside of the story, the mentor character is going to die or leave or do something, right? Something very sad is going to happen to the mentor character, yes. basically. Which will set the scene for them to confront the big bad evil guy and to be able to defeat them, and good will triumph over evil, and huzzah! End of book. Collect your two hundred million dollars. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Um, do you have any other final thoughts, Zach? Because I think I'm good. No, I think once I think once you realize that genres have structures to them, it actually makes a lot of things a lot clearer mm-hmm. when you're thinking about the kinds of stories that you're trying to, that you're trying to write. Um, I was recently reading a work in progress um, from somebody in my online writing group where it feels a lot like a fantasy Hallmark movie. Mm, yeah. Um, I actually had the experience of needing to try and explain what a Hallmark movie was to somebody, like what the genre is, because oh, they yeah. had never heard of it. And I was like, well, it's like you have this high-powered professional who lives in the city that then goes into this uh, this small town and learns that there's more to life than work, and then they get called back, and they decide this kind of sucks. They go back and it's they, anti-capitalism most of the time. Yeah, pro small business. Pro small business. <laughs> yes, they come back. They marry the you know the hot lumberjack character <laughs> um, who showed them the true meaning of Christmas or something. Like, and it is almost always Christmas movies. Yeah, Hallmark usually does the Christmas movies, but I feel like when I say a Hallmark movie, I think there are also if you've seen. Um, Leap Year with Amy Adams. I consider that a Hallmark movie, even though it wasn't made by Hallmark. 
It's a kind yeah. of it's a kind of kooky it, movie. It doesn't actually Hallmark is like the the non generic. What is that called? The non generic name. The, the brand specific. The brand specific name. But they are non. There are Hallmark movies that are not actually made by Hallmark. Yes. So yeah. But like this this story was set up like it was set up so beautifully for like a Hallmark setup but then they kept introducing these things with like a dark lord kind of like mm. lurking around the outside which was super interesting but it was also kind of jarring right yeah because it's like oh dark lord inside mm. of a Hallmark movie where is this going yeah um, so that was kind of where I got the inspiration to talk about this oh. was for thinking about how the genre influenced my expectations around the structure and how those were being intruded upon by the fact that this Dark Lord kept being mentioned. Yeah, that makes sense. Super cool. Um, I would say, just to wrap up the episode really quick, if you're wondering about, like, plot structure, there are some really good books. Uh, off the top of my head, Save the Cat writes a novel is great. I haven't read the other Save the Cat books, but... Yeah, Save the Cat, uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces, the, the Heroine with a Thousand and One Faces, which I recently picked up and still need to read, but it's there. Um, story by Robert McKee, The Anatomy of Story by John Truby. I was going to say The Anatomy of Story. I think that's what I got as far as, like... I had one more, but then you started, like, going, and I got so impressed that I, like, I was like, wow, you're doing better than I was. I was going to do, like, two or three. <laughs> um, but anyways, that's all we've got for you today. Tune in next week. We will see you again, hopefully. Thank you so much for tuning in to Quid Pros Quo. Quid Pros Quo is hosted by DC Winters and C.K. Jensen. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at quidprosquo at gmail.com. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.